With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation with Steve Hook and Brian McLean on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome to State of the Nation right here on today's News Talk. Visit us on the web, tntradio.live is the website. That is where the cool people are hanging out in the interactive live chat room as well. And of course, you can email us and always check out our episodes archive up there on the website. It's wonderful to be here with you and with you, Steve Hook. How are you doing today, Steve? Good, man. I'm doing great. I'm uh, staying warm. Had a nice workout today at the gym, worked out some of my anger issues. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing fine, man. It's good to be here with you again, Asher. Yes, excellent. Um, so I got to talk about Disease X again. I know oh, we yeah. were kind of, you know, on the, the bleeding edge of that spear uh, a few weeks back. But, you know, um, they keep doing this and the, the WEF is meeting again. The Davos crowd of ghouls and creatures and globalists. Well, they are out there and, you know, they're doing their thing. They're talking about making us get digital IDs, talking about putting us on central banking, digital currency, <clears throat> taking away our financial freedom and destroying our financial uh, futures. Of course, that's what that equals to social credit. And of course, the pandemic protocols, right? We're, we're still looming under the pandemic treaty of the WHO. And, uh, you know, this year they're talking about disease X, what a stupid name for this fake disease. Um, but it's no surprise that the WHO and the WEF have formalized and endorsed this planning process for future big pharma profits with this catchy name, uh, with fresh warnings from the World Health Organization, an unknown disease X could result in 20 times more fatalities than the coronavirus pandemic and WEF plans are underway, Steve. I'm going to stop that one right there. And that's what I hope you do as well. Americans, people of the West, people of the world. You ever you remember, remember algebra, Steve? Remember the first time they introduced negative numbers to you when you were in middle school and um, equations with variables in them? The variable was usually X. That was the first one we got. Yeah. So I can't help but think this is a plug in the equation sort of computer modeled we're all ready for whatever x is by the way this is also terrible for elon's branding but that's as an aside steve steve what do you think well i think <laughs> towards the to the elon branding thing that might be why they're calling it disease x who knows right uh yeah you kill two birds with one stone uh with that uh I just think that the timing is suspicious. I think that, uh, you know, we had gone well over 100 years after the Spanish influenza of what was it, 1908, something like that. Now, all of a sudden, every other month, especially every other campaign season, we could be on the lookout for another major pandemic. It could, I don't know what it could lead to, but I'm going to guess it's going to lead to election law uh, changes. It's going to lead to all kinds of things that are only in our best interest. And I am just stupid enough to believe all of it, Hesher. Not really, but that, that's what they're hoping on. Yeah, well, wait, Steve. It gets stupider. 
Check this one out. Quote, disease X is supposed to be caused by pathogen X. Such a pathogen is expected to be a zoonosis in orientation and most likely an RNA virus emerging. Blah, blah, blah. This whole zoonosis thing is ridiculous. This is what going does that even all mean? the way. That means that basically somebody had sex with a pangolin or uh, some sort of marmot or some sort of Chinese creature, or they went to a wet market in China and they ate yeah, uh, a dog yeah. that had had sex with a pangolin or something. It's ridiculous. There's zero proof for any of this, especially with regards to COVID and they're recycling it. It's absolutely staggering, Steve. Well, it is staggering, especially given uh, Fauci's most recent testimony when he basically came out and said, yeah, well, you know, I never closed down schools. I never shuttered businesses. I never insisted on masking. No, what what Fauci did, and I uh, assume the next Fauci is going to do the same thing, is they're going to get in front of the media and say, well, as if it was my child, I wouldn't want them in school. And I'm just saying that for the safety of all concerned, it might be wise to wear five masks and seal yourself Hydromatic, you know, you know, seal yourself like a cryovac piece of meat and don't leave the house. And then all of a sudden he said he can say, Oh, I didn't do it. I didn't say it. No, you just went and told Joy Behar and Joy Reed and all the other uh you know people on the team. Uh, and they went out and did the work for you. And then of course the governor, uh the governor, uh the government takes over and ramps all these things up because we're just going on the advice of the CDC. Um, it's all bogus. And I would just say this, if, if pandemic X does come around the corner and we see it, uh, we need to know it right here. And right now it was created in a lab. It was leaked. If millions of people drop dead from it, those, those people that had any control of that lab have blood on their hands. And all of these elites that are looking for this kind of crap have blood on their hands. Likewise. I mean, it's just so obvious, I think. Yeah, that opens up a larger um, discussion on gain of function, which uh, I've seen zero proof of. I understand that there's money flowing into those things and labs all over the place, but still waiting for proof on that one. But we'll pick that topic up later with another expert. Did you know there are many ways you can listen to TNT? You can stream us direct from our website on your desktop, tablet, or mobile device. Or you could download our app from the App Store, which we recommend. Uh, we even stream live on YouTube, Rumble, and Odyssey. So you got that whole video feed there. We got you covered on TNT. Keeping the commitment 24-7. I come to you for facts. I really appreciate what you and your team do. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, we are so very happy to welcome our first guest today. And you know why, Hash? Because every time we have her on, she's bubbly, she's happy, she's optimistic. Unlike that segment we just did, Eden Gordon-Hill is a veteran spouse, a radio host. She's a business owner, and she's uh, she's in North Carolina's 13th District State House of Representatives. That's what she is. She's a former candidate for that uh, district. And Eden, I assume you still live there, uh, but we're so happy to have you back on. Uh, by, by the way, before we say hello, let me just uh, plug you a little bit here. She's also the, uh, the Sunday host of WMAL's All-American Book Club. Uh, where she gives a uh, forum to discuss rel relevant topics such as, uh, well, veterans affairs, health care, and stuff like that. At any rate, Eden, it's so great to see you. How are you today? 
Oh, well, God bless America. I'm alive and it's Wednesday. Yeah, it's Wednesday. And I'm so glad to be with you guys here. It's I'm I'm great. I'm great. You know why? Because my boss won Iowa. We're about to win New Hampshire and we're going to win South Carolina. That is what I'm happy about. I am so proud. President Trump looks phenomenal. He looks healthy. He can walk a straight line. He doesn't have to drink for <laughs> sure. And he doesn't need ice cream. He knows what this country's about. And that's what gets me up in the morning. I'm so thankful to see somebody who cares about this country, who loves this country, who believes in this country, and has the energy to fight for this country. You know what yeah. else he doesn't do, Eden? He doesn't creep up to teenagers and preteens yeah. in a like weird scooty old man fashion and then lean down close to their necks and whisper strange things at them. I mean, that's that's a win right there for Trump in and of itself. Yeah, it was a win. I, I don't know how else to respond to that one. But yeah, that's a huge win. We don't need a predator in chief in the White House right now. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let me ask you this, Eden. Eden, what do you think about? Uh, I, I, I've seen a couple of people say this now. Scarborough, Joe Scarborough is the most recent uh, clown that's been saying this. But it started with J.B. Pritzker saying that Trump's win in Iowa is evidence of his weakness. Um, what? what? Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he said. <laughs> I'm just telling you what he said. Trump's win is actually evidence that he's not really that strong. And then they point to the fact that, oh, there were less people showed up for this caucus than in 2020, but it's basically in keeping with the caucus results from the last 12 election cycles prior to 2020 or 2016, rather. Um, so I don't think that carries any water, but they're trying to spin this as, as, as fast as they can. It, it seems absurd. Well, first, who still watches Joe, honestly, and Mika and MSNBC? I, no, I didn't even know that stations still existed, to be honest with you, if they are still there. <laughs> um, so, you know, listening to what they have to say, oh, I'm just going to I'm just going to put that to the wayside because that's bullcrap. And you guys know that, you know, yeah. we the American people, we are smart. We are proud of this country. We feel a little lazy and we need to get more to the polls come election time and not let this DX or whatever X come in our way deter us. But, you know, listening to CNN and can I say some of the other channels with the exception of this station and WMAL, we have TNT who tells the truth and we got WMAL that tells the truth. But, you know, listening to Joe, I remember when I was a young um, a staffer on, on Capitol Hill. And I remember seeing him and the newly elected Congress and the freshmen, and they were all hot. And, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is back in 1996 and 1997. Well, you saw what happened then. So, you know, I'm not going to give any more, you know, uh, credit to Joe or Mika or anybody else, because after seeing what all of these other news and Rachel and all of them, oh, we, we're not going to play President Trump because a lot of the times he just doesn't speak things that, you know, are necessarily relevant or truth. Oh, goodness gracious, people. And you air President O'Biden or whomever is real. And you can't you air somebody who can mumble jumble and doesn't even know what he's saying half the time or Kamala's word salads. OK, let's let, let's let's reeducate the American people on what true media is and what 
what actually truth is, speaking truth, standing up for truth. And we find it here at TNT and we find it from the Trump campaign. We definitely don't see it from the Hillary 2.0 campaign, which is what I'm calling Nikki Haley's campaign now, by the way. <laughs> Eden, <laughs> Eden, I'm curious. Um, <laughs> that's great. I don't, do have my, about- I don't have my heels on yet either, but I, they're a oh. lot better than Nikki's, by the way. They are name brand and a lot stronger and they kick more doors open than she does. That is is 100% true. I've been on your website. I've seen your heels. Uh, (laughs) I would not want them kicking on my door. Uh, Luckily, you're a friend, though. But Eden, I'm curious, you know, uh, Vivek uh, pulled out after Iowa. Uh And he he immediately backed President Trump. And um, I I find something um, noteworthy in the the discourse in the the talking points. And what I'm finding noteworthy is it's now, I guess, common to use the words deep state and take a more, um, I don't know, skeptical. I don't want to, I'm avoiding the word conspiratorial because it really doesn't fit, but um, a more skeptical viewpoint of our government actually being absorbed by a globalist deep state. So Mm -hmm. what do you think about that? Like, you know, Donald Trump didn't even blink when Vivek said all those things. So I Mm -hmm. assume, you know, he knew what he was going to say. I mean, what what do you Mm -hmm. think about the sort of the kitchen tableization of Mm -hmm. deep state and weaponized government and global leads? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So sitting at our kitchen table which is where common sense should happen in our nation, in our families, in our homes, in our communities, right? So I I listen to Vivek or however, I don't want to screw up how Nikki screwed up his name, but his speech the other night in New Hampshire with Trump was phenomenal. And he's right. Of course, Trump's not going to blink an eye. Having served at the pleasure of the president and having seen what happens in the deep state, which is Americans are smart. Yes, I think we're still a little lazy because we've become complacent, but Americans are smart and they know they saw what happened to Trump. They saw the FBI raiding his house. They are not stupid to what the deep state really stands for. So, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if my phone has been tapped. It's been tapped for a while, to be frank with you. And it's been tapped by the rhinos who are running the deep state. And, you know, I think that was very smart of him to say that that was very strategic because I can see as Trump takes the nomination for the next Republican president, I can see Vivek being a part of this coming administration. I don't have any insider details, but that was very smart on both camps part. And it was very in tune to because Vivek has traveled this country just like Donald Trump has. And if you actually are sitting and listening to people and not talking to them and telling them what things are going to be done, you're going to hear that people are concerned. Is the FBI going to be at my door tomorrow? Is Are we in a police state? Are these issues really happening? Am I going to see money back in my account or are our banks going to freeze because of the government and the deep state? Where are our protections? I mean, I have a funny story to tell you and I'll go back and we'll go to the next thing. But I set up Alexa hesitantly for my husband so he could remember things and talk to her and say, where's this, where's that? But I couldn't get Alexa to shut off unless I unplugged Alexa. And my concern was, how much are they listening to our conversations? How much are they, the deep state, listening to what we're going to buy tomorrow? And what are we getting from our Amazon Prime account today? So I think was right on. 
It's it's a very good it's a very good point, uh, Eden. We're gonna we're gonna have to roll because we've got a whole okay. panel of guests. But let me just say this about your Alexa. To your point, I went mm-hmm. hiking two or three weeks ago with my wife, and my 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 hiking boots blew out on the way down the trail. Thankfully, I made it safely. And I was talking about how I need to get some more hiking boots. I had my phone in my back pocket. Next day, boom, hiking boots all over all of my social feeds. So, yeah, they're listening. Uh, now, whether they pull a Twitter and get the DOJ and the three-letter agencies in there uh, to go over the notes is another story. But good God, the way things are going, who knows? Listen, Eden Gordon-Hill, thank you so much for joining us. Find her on EdenGordonMedia.com. And, of course, don't forget the All-American Book Club, uh, which is her great show on Sundays on WMAL. Eden, thank you for uh, giving a ray of sunshine and thank you for being there. We look forward to chatting with you again. Absolutely. God bless you guys. God bless. God bless you. I'll see you guys soon. You got it. Take care. You're watching and listening to State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. TNT's Steve Malzberg. If a president could be prosecuted for things he did, which he believed and was advised by his lawyers, what, what was was the duty of the president to do and then after the fact after he's president he could be prosecuted the example has come up today many times well when joe biden leaves office he could be prosecuted for not securing the border barack obama um okayed drone strikes against american citizens overseas he could be prosecuted for murder i mean this opens up a whole can of worms um, Pandora's box, I think, is the term that uh, that Trump used. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. Take us back in time. And who was Mike Flynn? He was the national security advisor to the president. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming president of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations, that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's gonna protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism or you're talking about communism, socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism. But the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen. 
these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. The conversation continues. I don't believe it, and I think that's a terrible position that I am in, that I don't trust my government. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, I don't know about you, but we grew up being told that the fuel we used to run our cars was fossil fuel, petroleum. According to the Orwellian Ministry of Truth, Wikipedia, petroleum is a fossil fuel that can be drawn from beneath the Earth's surface. Reservoirs of petroleum are formed through the mixture of plants, algaes, and sediments, and in shallow seas under high pressure. Uh, petroleum is mostly recovered from oil drilling. Now, according to the mainstream media and mainstream science, fossil fuel is defined as the anaerobic decomposition of buried dead organisms containing organic molecules created <laughs> created by photosynthesis. This conversion from these materials to high carbon fossil fuels typically requires a geological process of millions of years. Now, okay, biological material turned into black gold found underground, right? Um, but this is why it can be labeled a resource affected by scarcity but is it really an anaerobic process that, from, that forms petroleum reservoirs? What, and what is an abiotic component? In biology and ecology, abiotic components or abiotic factors are non-living chemical and physical parts of the environment that affect living organisms and the functioning of ecosystems. Now, it's my understanding personally that the terminology and the entire story of fossil fuel is a psyop engineered to manufacture scarcity and energy that can then be managed by oligarchs and elites. Joining us now to discuss this very fundamental concept is the author of How the Coming Global Crash Will Create a Historic Gold Rush and The Truth About Energy, Global Warming and Climate Change. Dr. Jerome Corsi joins us now. Dr. Corsi, thank you for your patience while I laid that out, but I wanted to set some uh, definitions up. Uh, welcome back to State of the Nation. So what's your opinion? Is so-called fossil fuel actually a product of an abiotic process as opposed to an anaerobic process? Yeah, well, yes. Uh, no, no living thing, no biological tissue ever made a barrel of oil. It's, it's ridiculous. When we die, we turn into constituent chemicals. We deteriorate. It, it would violate the second law of thermodynamics. We don't turn into a higher form of energy you know you don't say uh you better put some plastic lining in that casket because Aunt Matilda is going to turn into diesel number two it never happened the uh earth produces biologic material that deteriorates and that is not hydrocarbon fuels hydrocarbon fuels are produced through natural chemical processes in the in the mantle of the earth on an ongoing basis right now the earth is producing new oil uh, coal is being produced, and so is a uh, natural gas. The um, German scientists between World War I and World War II in the, uh, were trying to figure out how to synthesize oil. Germany had a lot of coal, but it didn't have any oil. They needed, if a Second World War was going to come along, they needed uh, diesel fuel, they needed airplane fuel, gasoline. And these equations were formulated called the Fischer-Tropsch equations. 
And these equations explain the chemical processes involved in creating oil. It involves something with hydrogen, something with carbon, and under intense heat and pressure, you can, and a catalyst like iron oxide, you can produce hydrocarbon chains. And that's in fact how the mantle of the earth where these conditions all exist, produces hydrocarbon chains. There's no magic in it. It's simply a matter of a chemical process that can be understood. And the Germans made a lot of synthetic oil during World War II. In fact, China is still making synthetic oil from coal in a Fisher Trops process, one of the largest ones that's ever been built. So this is, as you say, a PSYOP. It's a design to make people think fossil fuels are scarce and they're dangerous and we're going to run out of them. All these fear factors uh, are just nonsense. Dr. Corsi, uh, thank you for joining us. I would just say that while we may not be constituents for fossil fuels, when we die, sometimes we do become constituents of Democrats. So go figure. But but all that's <laughs> but but all that said, yeah. um, okay. So so there's no. In other words, we're not filling our tanks, uh, our 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 automobiles with dead dinosaur, uh, you know, pulp. Um, and 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 I I take what you're saying and what Hesher's saying here that it's a psyop in order to make it seem scarce. When in reality, we're built. It, it's the Earth is generating this stuff all the time, so it is a natural resource. In as much as it's always going to be there, and it's created by nature, correct? That's right. And uh, I, Julian Simon, who is a resource economist, said in the 1850s the world was worried about running out of coal. The beginning of the Industrial Revolution, and we still have more coal than we know what to do with. I mean, it's not an infinite resource. Nothing on Earth is infinite. But in the sense of our ability to exhaust it, it's not finite either. So what Julian Simon said is, first of all, there's always more than you thought there was, which was the case with coal. Second, your technology improves. So you're able to recover economically coal or oil where previously you were not able to recover it economically. Third, by the time you've used a lot, you'll come up with a new type of fuel. And the new type of fuel is always nuclear, which is really inexhaustible in human sense because we can produce that from uranium as long as we can find uranium we can have atomic energy but the point is that we're dealing with a natural substance that the earth produces it's part of the carbon cycle it can be easily understood i have books in my libraries from the 1940s that show how the fisher trops equations work they produce various hydrocarbon chains a hydrocarbon chain is just the hydrogen and carbon atoms together in a molecule in different numbers. So, so many molecules of carbon, so many molecules of hydrogen and different atomic structures. And the chains are methane, uh, gasoline is a refined product, methane, about butane. You go on for all these hydrocarbon chains. And at the bottom of the ocean, deep where there's no light, deep parts of the ocean, these hydrothermic chimneys and out of those chimneys come hydrocarbon chains the words hole expedition very uh, legitimate organization went down with submarines and sampled the hydrocarbons coming out of these chimneys and they said they were produced by the fisher trops process in the center in the mantle of the earth so the earth is constantly when i wrote this whole book on uh, the truth about energy global warming and climate change i found the tectonic studies for the bedrock underneath the Saudi oil fields. 
and the Dr. bedrock Corsi, is cracked right under those oil fields. Yes. Dr. Corsi, hold that thought right there. I want to pick up right where you left off with what was discovered there after a brief headline right here on State of the Nation with today's news talk. Turn on the news. I have a little news flash. TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Russian President Vladimir Putin recently welcomed North Korean Foreign Minister Chae Son-hui at the Kremlin. This meeting followed earlier discussions between the top diplomats of both countries, focused on enhancing bilateral relations and collaborative efforts. Russia and Niger have reached an agreement to enhance their military collaboration and jointly address the ongoing security challenges in the West African Sahel region, which has been experiencing jihadist violence for over 10 years. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. Dr. Jerome Corsi is our guest. TheTruthCentral.com is his website where you can find links to purchase his books and read his writings. Dr. Corsi, please pick up where you left off. Sorry for the interruption. Oh, no, no problem. I was saying that in, in this book about the truth about energy, global warming, and climate change, I got the tectonic studies, which is the bedrock underneath the Saudi oil fields. And they exactly map where there's fractures in the bedrock is where the oil fields are found. So it's oil seeping up into sedimentary rock and pooling in sedimentary rock is where we find oil, but oil originates at a much deeper level. And, and the fractures in the bedrock are key to oil coming into the sedimentary rock towards the surface of the Earth. You found the same in the Yucatan, where a giant asteroid hit 65 million years ago and fractured this, all the Gulf of Mexico, sent tsunamis all the way up to what today is North Dakota. That's why in the Yucatan, it's oil rich, deeply fractured. And these are fundamental concepts. If we were teaching chemistry and physics in the schools anymore, you couldn't get away with saying this was fossil fuel. Uh, the, no one has ever produced a barrel of oil the way that our petrogeologists say it is produced by putting dead material into sedimentary rock and turning that somehow magically into oil. I'm being. Well, we've been noticing, uh, Dr. Corsi, that this past week, especially in, in Chicago and in the uh, the outlying area there, <laughs> you're seeing a bunch of people line up with electric cars and just sitting there because nothing is working. The cars are too cold to accept the charge or the chargers are too cold to give the charge. Either way, people are stranded without cars. And I don't think they much give a damn how the fossil fuel or the fuel is created just so long as they can get it into their car. Is this going to be a problem that we're going to have going forward as this continued EV push continues? Or do you sense, because we just reported last week that Hertz has decided to sell their entire fleet of EVs and they're they're uh, going to start buying uh, gas-powered autos again. Is this a trend that's going to go away or are we, are we forever on this track of EVs? No, EVs are just a fad. They're They're going to die out because they don't work. They're like all of these woke ideas, you know, with social justice, all these ideas, they want us to eat bugs. Uh, look, EVs don't work. They're not, they're not practical. They catch fire. They're very heavy. They use rare earth minerals to produce the batteries. You have to mine those minerals with hydrocarbon fuels. 
So when you take into effect the entire process of creating these vehicles, you're using more hydrocarbon fuels. You're giving an advantage to China because China's got an edge on holding and around the world holding these mineral rare mineral rights. They're often mined in very brutal, economically, uh, environmentally destructive manners, including by slave labor. So it's a destructive process. They they don't work. They are hard to move when they die. There's not enough charging stations. They don't charge easily in the cold. They don't work easily in the cold. They don't perform well. And they are expensive, very expensive to buy, very expensive to maintain or repair. Uh, the original cars were electric vehicles when they were originally made in the 1800s. It was abandoned because they weren't as practical as hydrocarbon fuels. Gasoline is available. It can bust when you want it. It's a very From the energy physics, it's a more powerful resource, and it's available. You fill your tank with it, it's there when you want it. You get, yeah. want to get a station, there's plenty of them around. There are very few charging stations, and many of the charging stations don't work and you could be stuck on a long-distance trip, not going anywhere, as the car ran out of fuel and electricity in the middle of an interstate. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> and, and Dr. Corsi, I'm, I'm curious. Um, you know, obviously, it's unpopular to have the conversation that we're having right now because it butts up against the, the Green Agenda, the Green New Deal, uh, UN Agenda 2030, UN Agenda 21, if we look in the rearview mirror a little bit, um, and the Great Reset. So do you think that the push, um, especially legislative push, to take uh, traditional combustion engines away from citizens is really about limiting our ability to travel at all? Because it should be a pretty simple set of scientific presentations that would tell an administration or a legislator or whatever, you know, legislative agency, regulatory agency, that this will be an absolute disaster and will lead to people not having freedom of travel in the way that they used to. Well, the world is beginning to realize that this entire transition to green energy, renewables, solar and wind doesn't work. Uh, first of all, the idea of global warming, because carbon dioxide is emitted when we burn hydrocarbon fuels, is not going to be the cause of any effect significant effect on Earth's temperature. Carbon dioxide is 0.04% of the atmosphere, and human beings are probably responsible for only about 3% of the carbon dioxide that's in the atmosphere altogether. 600 million years ago, there was more carbon dioxide on Earth than there is today. We've had ice ages in that period of time. Uh, carbon dioxide follows warming periods. It doesn't cause them. The science is really junk. The major effect the Earth's temperature knob is the sun. You know, that yellow thing up in the sky is not a tree ornament. It's a, you know, it's not a, something that's dazzling in the sky to amuse us. It's the sun, and it's the main source of our light and heat. When it burns hotter, we have a warming period. Like the little, the Middle Ages, we had a warming period. When it's cooler, little ice age, we have an ice age, like in the Napoleonic era. And this can be measured. When it's nighttime, it's dark because the sun isn't in the sky, it's cooler. And if we didn't have greenhouse gases, all the irradiance from the sun would escape into outer space during night, and this would be a very frigid place to live on. So the science is false, and the solution offered isn't workable, 
And the people who constructed all this nonsense were really neo-Marxists whose intent was to depopulate. In the book on the truth about energy, I show that the environmental movement after World War II got taken over by the depopulationists. And they figured out if they could scare us about using hydrocarbon fuels, we'd stop using them. We destroy capitalism. And uh, if you look at the World Economic Forum now, they're saying we'd be better off with many fewer billions of people on Earth. And a great way to do that is to demonize hydrocarbon fuels. Yeah, or or, or perhaps release some uh, newfangled pandemic. Uh, Dr. Corsi, I would, I would say that winter has to be a tough month for the EV car owners because they got to be sitting around going, Good Lord, man! If it gets cold, our business is screwed. I think I think it's a I think it's a safe bet that a lot of people, especially after seeing the stories of just car after car after car sitting dead in a lot with a whole bunch of charging stations that do nothing, I think that people are waking up to this EV crap. And I pray God that they figure out that it's uh, it's all a sham to remove you from your liberty. Dr. Jerome Corsi, we want to thank you for being on State of the Nation today. I want to remind everybody, go check out thetruthcentral.com. That's thetruthcentral.com and uh, follow along with Dr. Corsi as he kind of breaks down the world for us. Uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi, thank you, sir. Have a wonderful day. Thanks for joining us today. My great pleasure. Thank you. Okay. There he goes. That's uh, Dr. Jerome Corsi. You are watching State of the Nation on today's News Talk TNT. I said, could she die? And the doctor said she could. It was so scary. When I started clawing at my neck and trying to breathe, and I thought, you know, what are we going to do if I die here? <laughs> How's everyone going to go on? When someone's gravely sick or injured in the bush, they rely on the Royal Flying Doctor service. But now the Flying Doctor needs your help to fund vital medical equipment and supplies. Please search Flying Doctor online to give a regular gift of just $10. You can help equip the Flying Doctor's teams to respond to any emergency anywhere. Search Flying Doctor online. Become a part of the Royal Flying Doctor service and help save lives in the bush. Asthma is a growing problem, especially among children. Asthma affects the quality of life for millions like me every single day. My name is Chris Draft, and I have asthma. And I've spent more than a decade in the NFL tackling asthma on and off the field. Join me and the EPA in helping people control their asthma. Asthma is a lung condition that can be controlled through medication and by avoiding things that can make it worse. Three steps are the solution to controlling asthma. Step one, talk to a doctor. Step two, make a plan. And step three, Get rid of things that can make it worse. Asthma can be tackled. For more information on asthma, log on to epa.gov asthma. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, our guest joining us now is a retired United States Marine, a wife, a mother, a veteran activist, multi-business owner, startup specialist, published author, and decorated sales trainer for multiple industries and just announced her run for Congress. She's the founder of Vetcom, a disabled veteran empowerment company, and House the Heroes, a nonprofit organization providing aid for homeless and disabled veterans. 
Kate Monroe joins us now on State of the Nation. Kate, it's a pleasure to have you with us. Tell it first off, tell us about the district you're running in. It's in the San Diego area, right? District 49. Yes, correct. Um, the district is from Del Mar all the way to Dana Point. So North San Diego County, South Orange County, including Camp Pendleton. It's a 50-50 voter reg, D3 turnout. So to all you uh, Republicans watching, we need to turn out. We need to do our job and go do our civic duty and go and vote. You know, as a Marine Corps veteran, I fought for your right to do that. And I would really appreciate it if you made your way to the polls. It's very um veteran dense. We have the second largest instance of veterans in the nation in our district. So I'm relying somewhat on that. So I'm excited. I think this is a totally winnable seat, but winnable by me. There you go. There you go. Well, Semper Fi there, uh, Maureen. It's good to see you, Kate, and thank you for joining us today. Um, California has uh, has really, we, we talk about the homeless crisis sweeping the nation, but California has really been the epicenter of a lot of this. We see it in uh, San, uh, San Francisco, L.A., no doubt parts of San Diego. And I think what uh, uh, to use this term that we use down South, what really chaps my ass is that we're seeing a lot of veterans out on the streets, living under overpasses, living in home, homeless encampments. And then we also get stories of, well, here's another busload of immigrants and they're being put up in the Roosevelt hotel, a uh, former four-star hotel in New York city. And they're going to be sleeping, uh, warm tonight in a bed provided by the taxpayers as a veteran. This must just incense you uh, the, the, the way the way that the vets are being treated uh, and, and, and the immigrants. And I'm, I'm not anti-immigrant at all, yeah. but I do think that our priorities are a bit screwed up here, don't you? Oh, my gosh. I, I totally agree with you. It's absolutely despicable uh, and deplorable what we have done. I've gone out and visited all across um, San Diego, L.A. I've been up to the Tenderloin in San Francisco. You know, veterans make up 10 percent of the homeless population. It's quite a large mm. number. And I recently happened upon a story today that says that we lose 15 homeless veterans per day on the streets, homeless veterans dying that don't even get uh, any kind of uh, honorable burial. We have 161,000 migrants being seen ahead of veterans in VA disability uh, hospitals. And so, it's, yeah, it's disgusting. It's uh, it's no wonder that we have such a big recruiting crisis, the way that we treat our veterans. They tell their kids absolutely don't go into the service. Hmm. Yeah, you know, and and that number you just threw out there is is heartbreaking because we also know that we're losing between 20 and 30 veterans a day to suicide. So you add the you know, that 15 on top of that, and all of a sudden we're pushing 50, we're pushing 60. And honestly, I don't even believe the statistics. I feel like it's probably a lot worse than the mass media cartel would like us to know. Um, how important is this to the people in your district? You say it's a veteran dense area, um, and I'm familiar with the area. I was a, a civilian DOD employee for 16 years. So I spent a lot of time in San Diego, Spent a lot of time at some of the contracting places up there and, um, you know, at the submarine base. I mean, San Diego is one of our best military communities in the nation. So I imagine this is a really important topic to the constituents there in 49. 
Oh, it's an absolutely huge topic, probably only second to the border. But I think, you know, the two of them are sort of being tied together in the narrative and the story that we're hearing where migrants are being prioritized over our veterans. You know, we have the highest second highest uh, instance of veterans in any district in the country. So certainly veterans, their families, I've not walked into a room where I asked people, do you know a veteran? Are you a veteran? And nobody raised their hand. They're the fabric of our nation. So here in our district, veterans affairs are a very, very big deal. And I have big solutions for those veterans that I will be running on. Well, that's good to hear. And I'm sure that they will appreciate that. And with any luck, uh, there won't be apathy and people will get out there and really pound the pavement for you and then turn up at the polls. You just mentioned uh, the border. Did it come as a shock to you at all, Kate, when we saw the exit polling numbers and we started listening to what the constituents in Iowa were saying, the number one concern that they had in Iowa was our broken southern border. So that goes to show you it is definitely not just a border state problem anymore. All states, including Iowa, are now being affected by this. What's your plan on the border? What's your take on the border? And do you think that this is an, uh, an uh, basically a, a planned uh, invasion, if you will, uh, from the higher-ups inside the uh, administration and you know agencies involved? Um, Well, I'll start with the last point that you mentioned. I do think that it's planned. You know, anytime that you could do something simple like build a wall where it would cost less and actually be effective and you choose willfully not to, you actually put a lot of energy into ensuring that it doesn't happen. That's because you're cutting deals, you're making money, you're getting power, profit, votes. Something is at stake that's good for you and not good for the American citizens. So I do think that it's planned. I think it's an act of war by other nations against us because they see this administration being so feckless uh, in their leadership and so weak. You know, you look at a place like Iowa, anywhere, really, this is across the entire nation. You could ask voters uh, in any district, uh, in any state, and they're concerned about it because they know it's not asylum seekers coming across the border. It's people that have ill will against our country, and they know they're coming across the border and getting shipped directly to their cities. People are scared of the terrorism, of the sex trafficking, the drugs, scared of their kids dying of fentanyl that costs $5 because the drug cartels are so successful. It's not a wonder, and it's going to continue on. And lastly, to a solution, I think that we need to declare a state of emergency in our country. We need to call up the National Guard and have them guard the border while we build the wall simultaneously. We do not need to let another couple million people cross Across our borders um, and w- that we have been allowing in this administration. We need to charge them in government with uh, treason by allowing an act of war to uh, make its way to our country completely unstopped. And we need to reform our immigration policy. That's my four-pronged solution to fixing this border crisis. Yeah, thank you for that. I mean, it's it makes complete sense to anyone with uh, any semblance of any sort of gray matter between their ears at this point. We're looking at what 200 to 250,000 people a month. Um, That's half a million people every two months. You do the math, you get 2 million that we know of, 2 million plus that we know of, and then there's all the gotaways. So the number could be up as, as much as 10 million at this point. It's difficult to pin down. But you mentioned the fentanyl issue. It, it is just never endingly staggering to me that after what happened on 9-11, we mobilized a global war on terror um, at the loss of 3,000 Americans approximately. And 
now we've lost over a hundred thousand and we're on track to lose a hundred thousand annually i mean this is chemical warfare this is this this is a war on america because it's not like all the people that die of fentanyl are fentanyl addicts or we're looking to go buy some fetty many of these people are children young people police officers people that come in contact with this stuff accidentally or or due to botched synthesis of uh, black market drugs i mean how bad is this problem in in san diego well i go down and visit what they call the bottoms in san diego also up by the riverbed in oceanside they have what they call the thunderdome where there's hundreds of people by the river doing drugs selling drugs when i was in the tenderloin everywhere in california especially fentanyl and other trank and all these other drugs are rampant when i was in the tenderloin it looked like everybody had put it been put to sleep or in idle mode like they were a computer it was absolutely insane i accidentally bumped into a drug dealer and knocked all the drugs out of his hand and all these little packets went everywhere and he just scooped them up right in front of a police officer and put them back in his coat you know down here in san diego i actually have to take armed guards with me because i have almost been beat up assaulted i have you know people come up and pull knives on us um it's very it's very scary it's very easy to get it costs five dollars and you wonder why people are dying left and right they're lacing every drug with it your kid could go to high school get handed a drug at a party and be dead that's what a big deal it is we got to shut our border we have to demand better of our country and and get it together and and keep our sovereignty as a nation and stop all of this I noticed in one of your videos, your um, your one of your colleagues is one of our frequent guests, Kevin Dahlgren, and you mentioned that he had been attacked, uh, not the first time for him. He's uh, definitely not his first rodeo, but I mean, this the, what you're saying here is basically, if I understand, that when you or someone like Kevin or you and Kevin and other colleagues go out and do some of your on-the-ground work, that sometimes the, your analysis and reporting has led to you guys being attacked. Correct. I mean, it's definitely not safe. I mean, I was on the street that day with Kevin and the drug dealer that beat Kevin up was one inch from my face, towering over me, screaming in my face with his fist right next to my cheek. I mean, he had every intention. If the police hadn't have pulled up, he would have tried to beat me up too. Although I'm a Marine Corvette, so I wouldn't be the easiest person to tackle. But uh, yeah, certainly you're not safe. That's why I go with armed guards. You know, I've taken some of my staff out. We've had people run at us with knives and not like little teeny tiny knives, machete, you know, type of knives. It's not safe. I accidentally bought a soda off of a drug dealer vendor. And this little girl came up and said, don't buy sodas off of them. They're about to go sell drugs to my mom. I've stepped over, you know, people who have overdosed and died in San Diego. This is what our public faces when they go on these streets in, in New York and San Francisco and LA and San Diego. This is what you're going to face when you and your kids want to just go downtown casually. You're going to face drugs and drug dealers. God almighty. And, you know, I mean, and then, and then you add in the, uh, the, well, now it's kind of passe, but the former defund the police movement, certainly they're, uh, they're, they're funding these far left DAs and AGs all over the country to ignore this problem. I'm wondering, Kate, what you think when president Trump, uh, former president Trump came out and made a speech a few weeks ago, and he said, they're poisoning the blood of America. Now, obviously to put that in context, what he was saying was fentanyl is getting into the bloodstream of Americans and it's killing Americans at the drop of a hat. The media uh, turned around and said, he's saying that uh, immigrants are poisoning the blood of America, just like 
Hitler said the Jews were doing. And then he says he's going to be a, a, a dictator, but only on day one. He said it with a smile. He was laughing about it. He goes, I'm going to start drilling and I'm going to seal the border. How does the media run with that story? Trump says he's going to be a dictator starting on day one. I mean, it's just so absurd. And I would wager that you running in San Diego, which is still somewhat red, if magenta maybe, uh, as far as a California district concerned, you're going to be coming under similar attacks that 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 you are the Ava Braun of the of the of the candidate board. I mean, I would think. I mean, how how much are people buying into this crap from the media? Do you think? Um. You know, I'm actually on the media quite a lot. I've been on 80 times in just the last six months, and I've got nothing but love from the people in San Diego. I have people from all walks come up to me and say, thank you for exposing San Diego's homelessness. Thank you for exposing our drugs, lawlessness. Thank you for exposing all these veterans affairs. I, I actually am married to a Democrat. My husband can't believe we have an open border. He's a Turkish immigrant. He can't believe our border's open. He doesn't feel like our kid's safe. He hates all this wokeism in schools. What I actually think is that when the news went to 24 hours, news cycle, 90% of the news is just a bunch of crap and it's a bunch of lies and it's just sensationalism to get votes and to sell ads. I don't think the American public is so easily gaslit and duped into this ideology. Is there a certain subset of people that actually think this? Sure there are, but a lot of them are on somebody's payroll. I haven't met a single true regular American citizen that actually believes any of that. Yeah, well, that's good <laughs> Me to too. Hear. Yeah, I, I I think that the zeitgeist that is uh, foisted upon America in particular, this probably goes for uh, the EU as well and a few other places, but uh, it really does seem to be a, a zeitgeist of narrative management that is owned yeah. and operated by intelligence services and the like, Fortune 100, international banking, globalist interests and such, um, and it has toxified our nation greatly. Now, we're down to just about a minute and a half left, but before we close, I want to pivot back to the homeless issue for a moment because I think that you have a very good um, platform and plan uh, that has to do with categorizing the types of people and the types of experiences that are out there. Maybe you could outline that uh, for us in our final minute here. Yeah. So my solution is that we build something that would be likened to a forward operating base that we have like in the military. I would call it base camp. We would, it would be infrastructure camping with uh, hooches. So large uh, infrastructure tents, bunks, a chapel, commissary, cafeteria, rehab, all of the people who are in the homeless industrial complex that are supposed to help people would be forced to go to one place. It would be very easy to see if they are or are not helping. You talk to the homeless, they would love to go there because they know it might be a year-long journey for them to get clean. None of these 28-day programs are going to cut it. It would put transformation before transition. We would transform people's lives, get them back with their families, get them clean, get them rehabilitated, get them where they need to go. But certainly by bucketizing them, we could serve them in their journey where they are. You're not going to help anybody from the street. And if you just directly put them from the curb inside, 60% of them are going to die. A base camp would cost 10% of what we spend. And I truly believe it is a solution for the nation yes absolutely you know and and you mentioned um uh I, I saw you talk we're just about out of time so i gotta be really quick here but i saw you talk about the easiest people to transition and that's people that are down on their luck and not addicted to drugs so right. um give give us your website again really quick we got about 20 seconds 
Yes, you can find us. You know, we help veterans. We get veterans their benefits. You can find us at vetcom.us, V-E-T-C-O-M-M.us. And my kate4congress.com is where you can find uh, me and what I stand for and why I'm running. But certainly if you're in the 49th or nobody, anybody in the 49th, send them Kate's way, kate4congress.com. Kate Monroe, thanks for joining us on State of the Nation right here at today's News Talk. Stay tuned. We got more coming your way after headlines on TNT.